Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Time Sport, August 30. Celtic new signing on his move to Dream Club. Report by Matthew Lindsay. It was little wonder that Sid Haksabanovich described Celtic as his dream club when he was paraded at Parkhead yesterday. The Montenegrin winger has some fantasy football fixtures to look forward to, not least against holders Real Madrid in the Champions League group stages in the coming months. Playing in attack for Ange Postecoglou's ultra-offensive team, who scored nine goals in a mauling of Dundee United in a singed premiership match at Tannadice on Sunday, is also an exhilarating prospect for the skillful winger. Yet Haxa has revealed that one of the reasons he was so keen to join the Scottish champions was to bring an end to the nightmares his family were experiencing after his move to Rubin Kazan in Russia last year turned awry. The invasion of Ukraine back in February caused great concern among his nearest and dearest back in his native Sweden, and they were relieved when he was allowed to return to his homeland to play for Jurgardens on loan. The 23-year-old is pleased then that his long-term future has been settled and they will no longer have to fret about his well-being. He said, It was difficult. When I went to Russia, I was thinking I was going to stay there for one or two years. But when the war happened, it became a situation that no one had been in before. My family was worried about me. Of course, in Russia, it was safe as nothing was happening in Russia, but my family couldn't sleep at night. That made me want to leave and put that in front of my football. So I went to Sweden where I could go on loan for three months. It was a decision I made for my family. I had to be close to them at that time. The whole situation was just not something anyone expected would happen. There were six or seven of us foreign players who left the club, so it was a hard time for us and also the team because they went down because of it. Ruben Kazan have always been good and they were honest enough to say they didn't want to stop our careers. They wanted our careers to keep going. So that wasn't a problem. Of course I was worried, because you never know what is going to happen. What if I had to go back and my family would be worried again? But I tried to stay positive, 
My family are happy. They are most happy for me and that I have the chance to play for a great club like Celtic. Haxa, who could make his debut in the Premier Sports Cup match against Ross County in Dingwall tomorrow night, is now looking ahead and he admitted that he is excited about what the future holds. He watched Celtic's record-breaking triumph over United at the weekend. It was the biggest away win in the Premiership era and believes he will have no difficulty slotting into Postecoglou's starting lineup. He said, It's the way I want to play. They looked very sharp, and I know it's going to be hard to take a place in the team, but that's only good for me. When I saw them play, I thought, I want to be there. I want to make something happen. I have never been in a team that always attack and always have the ball. Hopefully it brings out the best in me. I had seen games before I came here and I thought, I want to play that way. I am just going to be a hard-working player. I am going to do everything I can for the team. I think I am going to be making the fans stand up sometimes with some good dribbling, some good actions, and hopefully some points as well. Haxa Banovic was quoted by some major English clubs after making his debut for Halmstad, aged just 15, back in 2015. He had trials with Aston Villa, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City and Manchester United and ended up signing for West Ham. However, he failed to make a single first-team appearance in London after Slavin Bilic, the manager who signed him, was sacked. He has since featured for Malaga, Norkoping, Ruben Kazan and Jure Gardens. The white man, who has put pen to paper on a five-year contract, believes all of those experiences have made him a stronger person as well as a better player and will stand him in good stead at Celtic. He said, I moved out when I was 18. I left my family and friends. Since then, I have been away from home. I was in Russia when the war started. It was not easy. When I was in Malaga, I never played, and the coach never spoke to me. That was hard as well. When I was in Sweden this summer, I was training by myself. When I was training by myself, I was doing some running, some gym work. I was trying to do the best I could when I was on my own. But now I am with the squad. All that made me who I am. I feel older than 23 in my head. Haxa Banovic encountered a few familiar faces on his first day of training at Celtic. Goalkeeper Joe Hart, centre-half Carol Starfelt, and striker Albion Ajeti, and anticipates that he will be able to settle into his new surroundings quickly. He said, I played a season with Joe at West Ham. I was on loan when Albion was there, but I met him. I also know Carol from Russia. Carol was in touch when he heard the rumours about me joining. I didn't want to tell him too much, as I wanted it to be low-key. 
But he told me the club is incredible to play for, living here in Glasgow and the way people treat you. It's easier when you have people you know. I talk to everyone. I've been around, so I've learned a lot. I'm a pretty chilled out guy though, and I don't find it hard to make new friends. Report by Matthew Lindsay Evening Time Sport, August 30 Jack Ross sacked by Dundee United Report by Aidan Smith Jack Ross has been sacked by Dundee United after a string of poor results. His departure comes after the Tannadice club were beaten 9-0 by Celtic in the Scottish Premiership at the weekend. Ross was in charge for just 10 weeks and United are now searching for their fifth manager in three years. A Tannadice club statement read, Dundee United can confirm head coach Jack Ross has been relieved of his duties with immediate effect. Liam Fox will take charge of the first team on an interim basis, with the focus now fully on Wednesday's Premier Sports Cup match with Livingston. No further comment will be issued by Dundee United at this stage. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport, August 30 Nikola Katic transfer latest as Rangers defender could be set to move. Report by Mark Walker Rangers outcast Nikola Katic could be handed a Champions League lifeline for his career by lining up against Lionel Messi and Neymar with Israeli side Maccabi Haifa poised to swoop. The Croatian defender is frozen out at Ibrox after returning from a loan spell at Hajduk split last season and is expected to leave before the end of the transfer window this week. And ambitious Israeli champions Maccabi Haifa, who will play against Messi and Neymar-inspired PSG, Juventus and Benfica in the Champions League, have inquired about signing the 25-year-old either on a permanent deal or on loan. Hajduk were forced to abandon plans to sign Katic in June because they could not reach Rangers' reported asking price back then. The club's sports director, Mindaugas Nikolaitis, said, Nikola Katic is no longer with us, the transfer clause is too big for us. Katic has made a total of 59 appearances for Rangers since signing in a £2 million deal from Slavin Belupo in 2018 on a four-year contract, which was extended after just one year under previous boss Stephen Gerrard. But with Rangers well covered in central defence now, with Connor Goldson, James Sands, John Souter, Leon King, Ben Davis and Philip Helander to return from injury, he can leave the club. Makadi were handed a nightwear draw after becoming the first Israeli side to reach the group stages of the competition in seven years. Report by Mark Walker. Evening Times Sport, August 30.
Postecoglou sends message to his players. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Ange Postecoglou has told his Celtic players to ignore the forthcoming fixtures against Rangers and Real Madrid and focus fully on the Premier Sports Cup match against Ross County. Excitement is growing among the Parkhead Club supporters about the Singe Premiership match against their Glasgow rivals on Saturday and the Champions League group stage encounter with the Spanish Giants a week tomorrow. Callum McGregor and his teammates romped to a record-breaking 9-0 triumph over Dundee United at Tannadice on Sunday to maintain their 100% record in the 22-23 campaign and return to the top of the league table. Their fans are hopeful they can forge further ahead of their nearest challengers in the Premiership and defeat the reigning European champions if they can produce a repeat of their Tayside display. However, Postecoglou is only concerned with his charges launching the defence of the League Cup, the first trophy that he lifted in this country back in December, with a win in Dingwall tomorrow night and keeping their hopes of landing a treble alive. The Greek-Australian can recall how it took an injury time goal from Anthony Ralston to record a narrow 2-1 victory over Malky Mackay's side at the Global Energy Stadium last year and knows his team will need to be at their very best to triumph. Asked if the 9-0 rout of United would give Celtic confidence ahead of the Rangers and Real Madrid matches, he said, I don't look at it like that, as we have 50-odd difficult games to come. We have one on Wednesday night, and that's the only one at the forefront of my mind. Ross County away, and as we all know, is such a difficult proposition, particularly in midweek and in a cup game. From my perspective, that's where our interest lies. We need to get the job done there and play our football and then tackle the next task beyond that. We knew these games were coming and we have worked hard with the full squad to make sure we are ready. Meanwhile, Postecoglou has singled out one Celtic player for special praise following the resounding triumph over United at the weekend goalkeeper Joe Hart. The former England international suffered a head knock after making a save from a Glenn Middleton shot in the second minute of the Tannadice match and required six minutes of medical attention before continuing. He was hardly involved thereafter, but his manager believes he set the tone for the showing early on and ensures the Scottish champions perform at their best in every training session and game due to their professionalism. Asked how Hart was, he said, he's fine, he didn't have a lot to do, and maybe his performance will be overlooked, but he's such a professional and drives the standards every day. On Sunday, we could maybe have gone a goal down, and that may wake you up but he doesn't allow that to happen. 
He makes a great save and shows the bravery to dive at the opponent's feet. It's a credit to him. Report by Matthew Lindsay Evening Times Sport, August 31 Super sub Fitzpatrick strikes late for Thistle. Report by James Kearney Aidan Fitzpatrick came off the bench to nod in the winning goal 10 minutes from time to send Patty Thistle through to the quarterfinals of the Premier Sports Cup as the Maryhill outfit secured a late but deserved win over Dick Campbell's men. Arbroath were low on confidence heading into the encounter without a league win in five attempts so far this season and the visitors played like as if they had ceded possession, sat deep and absorbed wave after wave of the Jags attack. The men from Gayfield struggled to break out of their own half and truly threaten Ian McCall's side and there was an air of inevitability about Fitzpatrick's winner. Stephen Lawless reacted well to hoover up a loose ball deep in the Arbroath half and showed good composure to pick out substitute Fitzpatrick, whose cushioned header lofted over Derek Gaston and into the back of the net to book Thistle's place in the hat for this evening's draw said Thistle manager Ian McCall. We had some good chances and missed some sitters, but credit to our broth. They put their bodies on the line and their keeper made some great saves. Ironically, David Mitchell also made a great save right at the end to prevent extra time, but that's football. I was delighted when our goal finally came. Ultimately, it's a cup tie and you just want to get through. If Arbroath had dominated us and we still won one nothing, I'd be just as delighted as I am now. The majority of the cup tie at Fir Hill was one-way traffic. Anton Dowd found himself presented with a few decent opportunities, but failed to make the most of them, and Scott Tiffany fluffed the occasional half-chance as Thistle attempted to make their supremacy count. Fitzpatrick's late intervention drew a sigh of relief from the home crowd, but there was still one hairy moment when Harry Millen's goal-line clearance denied a certain equaliser after the away side had struck the woodwork moments earlier. Arbroath manager Dick Campbell ahead of the reunion between the two sides in the league this weekend, said, I have no complaints, as Partick were by far the better side. Never in your life would you believe the side I put out were, had six or seven players missing. We didn't create anything until the last few minutes, but I have no complaints. Partick are on a high just now. But the good thing is we get the chance to play them again and we will get that chance on Saturday. Hopefully we will bring a few players in before that and have a few of the injured boys back. Report by James Kearney Evening Time Sport, August 31 
Nick Rogers says, Rory McIlroy turns up tensions ahead of Wentworth showpiece. Your correspondent is just back from a week of pottering around in the Dordogne. Bergerac? asked the sports editor. No, they just had dubbed the reruns of Dempsey and Makepeace, came the response of utter nincompoopery. Cycling through the quiet countryside of the Novelle Aquitaine with a baguette under my oxter and the wind in my air croque-monsieur, I felt as alluringly French as a gently smouldering goulois cigarette abandoned next to a rumpled bed. The crushing reality, of course, was that I looked more like Officer Crabtree from Allo Allo as I shuggled, pluttered and bumbled about with comical incompetence. Oh well, it's nice to get away now and again. It's back to normality now though, and there doesn't seem to be much sign of an entente cordiale in the upper echelon of men's professional golf. Rory McIlroy's thrilling victory in the Tour Championship on Sunday night was an absorbing end to the campaign in the United States, but golf's season of discontent will rumble on. Next week at Wentworth, the DP World Tour's flagship event, the BMW PGA Championship takes centre stage and will feature 18 players who have all defected to the LIV Golf Series. It could be as uncomfortably awkward as the moment this scribe realised I had to wear speedos in a French public swimming pool. Sacre bleu, indeed. The likes of Abe Anser, Jason Cockrack, Kevin Na, and Taylor Gooch, who have hardly shown interest in playing in Europe before, are all in the field now on the basis of their top 60 in the world exemption. They need to top up their world ranking points. LIV Golf has not been awarded world ranking status yet, but it must be mighty galling for some proper DP World Tour loyalists who miss out on the old European circuit showpiece amid this general tumult. As for McElroy's views on the rebels pitching up in the leafy Surrey stockbroker belt, I hate it, I really do, said the Northern Irishman, with his usual open and honest assessment of affairs. It's going to be hard for me to stomach going to Wentworth and seeing 18 of them there. That just doesn't sit right with me. McElroy has emerged as the statesman of the status quo, while gushing descriptions by some cooing observers of him being the saviour of golf were somewhat hysterical in the aftermath of his timely win at East Lake. McElroy's box office appeal is the one thing money cannot buy, and the LIV golf certainly cannot buy his star attraction. The next wave of defectors to LIV is said to be announced soon, with the Open champion Cameron Smith expected to jump on board 
the Saudi-backed gravy train. Last week, Cameron Tringale, a player who has earned upwards of $17 million on the PGA Tour, but has never won in 338 events, decided to make the leap. After much reflection, prayer and conversations with trusted advisors, I have made the decision not to renew my tour membership for next year and join LIV Golf, wrote the deeply religious Tringale in a lengthy epistle of justification. The Lord, it seems, will provide, or at least the Saudi Public Investment Fund will. These are fascinating times. While Lee Westwood and Eddie Pepperell were embroiling themselves in some tetchy parrying and joisting on social media, Pepperell told LIV rebel Westwood to take your cake and enjoy it in the corner. The PGA Tour top brass were unveiling a vast array of money-sodden, golden handcuff-style initiatives designed to keep the best players tied to the circuit and ensure the elite will play the elite on a more regular basis in a series of elevated events. A few withering responses followed, with Westwood claiming the changes were nothing more than a replica of the LIV golf formula. It's just a copy of what LIV is doing. There are a lot of hypocrites out there, he said in an interview with Golf Digest magazine. Any chance of some kind of compromise between the warring factions is about as likely as getting your bin emptied. Are these changes by the PGA Tour too little, too late? Well, they have certainly been wounded by a series of high-profile resignations and possibly underestimated the LIV golf threat, but it could be enough to lock the door before a few more horses bolt. Cameron Young, the rising star who was second in the Open, had been expected to jump ship instance, but the various carrots now being dangled by the PGA Tour have apparently convinced him to stay put. Those aforementioned elevated tour events will be worth twenty million pound. A LIV event is twenty-five million pound or dollars I should say, but it comes with a hefty price of reputational damage and the general scrutiny and condemnation that greets just about every defector. Now that the PGA Tour prize funds are kicking the backside of the LIV pots, those swithering may just decide it ain't worth the hassle. The fractured, disjointed scene at the top of a sport blinded by money, remains a rather unedifying spectacle. The players on either side of this divide are getting richer and richer, but the game is poorer for all the squabbling and self-severing haverings. In this ongoing battle of attrition, it will be a while before a winner emerges, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport August 31. Postikoglu reflects on League Cup spark that lit a fire at Celtic. Report by Graeme McGarry. 
The League Cup may not traditionally be the most important of the three domestic trophies on offer in Scotland, but try telling that to Ange Postecoglou. For the Celtic manager, winning the tournament last season was the first sign to both the fans, and perhaps more importantly his players, that his attacking brand of football could translate into cold, hard silverware. It also gave him credibility within the Celtic boardroom, who saw right there and then that their manager was attempting to light a fire under this club, and that moment very well could be the spark to ignite it. From there, they backed him without question in the January transfer window. Without that triumph over Hibs at Hamden, there might not have been real Hatati, Dazen Maida or Matt O'Reilly. There might not even have been a league title to celebrate come May. The League Cup win, in Postecoglou's view, was the catalyst for everything that has followed and hopefully will follow from here in Celtic's future under his stewardship. Not so much a Mickey Mouse tournament then, but the launching ground for a fairy tale period at Celtic that Disney themselves might struggle to conceive. Said Postecoglou, it was really important to get that success so early on. I think the fans were really supportive from day one and bought into what we were trying to do at the club. They have given us tremendous support, but in terms of the players, it always helps to be able to show them that what we are doing can translate to success. It put a real belief into the group about the direction we were heading in. We had found our way a couple of months in after a bit of a rocky start to the season. But for me, if we were going to achieve what we wanted to last year, and obviously the league was our big priority, we had to accelerate our development. The best way to do that was to get people to have real belief and winning a trophy in the first few months, people were well aware we were very much still at the beginning, building a team and playing our football. But the fact we could have success so quickly just accelerated a lot of things. It accelerated a lot of belief in what we were doing, the course we were on, the football we were playing and the players we had brought in. It gave other people belief in me too and what I was trying to do and I think that helped move things on a lot quicker. At that time, we were shaping what January was going to look like in terms of transfer business. And having won that, we were able to put some strong plans in place. We could look at guys like Hatati, Maida, Idiguchi and O'Reilly, because I think there was belief that we had started something here. So let's really support it, because we've seen some of the fruits that have come our way. It's the nature of the club that we can't stand still. I knew that I wouldn't be afforded a year or two to bring success to this club. 
I felt there was an urgent need to do that last year. We had our year without winning anything the season before I came. But it doesn't mean that because you have had some success, you can rest on that. We want to win every competition we are in. And we showed everyone with that League Cup win that we could bring that success to the club. Celtic kick off the defence of that trophy in Dingwall tonight against Ross County. And it is just as important to Postecoglou this time around that his players make a return to Hamden to tuck it safely back into the cabinet and again set the tone for their season. In that context, the match against County tonight holds just as much significance to the Celtic manager as the two that follow against Rangers this Saturday then the might of Real Madrid next week. He said, absolutely, absolutely. That was our message to the players at the weekend. The most important game is the next one. You don't want to be thinking about games that are two or three ahead and going into a game without the best intentions of playing good football, going into it and getting a good result. The most important game for us is this one. We want to perform at a good level and make sure that we get the job done against a difficult opponent. That will then give us the impetus to look at the next challenge, whatever that may be. In this case, it's against Rangers. But if we look beyond Ross County and dismiss that game, then we haven't had the ideal preparation to meet the challenges ahead. Their preparation for heading into the county game could hardly have been better with the 9-0 immolation of Dundee United ensuring a buzz was evident in the camp on the long road back north. While Postecoglou says he will rotate his squad with the challenges ahead in mind, he wants to see the same intensity from whoever he puts out into the field as he did at Tannadice, challenging them to grasp their opportunity to impress. He said, I will make some changes for the game. I haven't settled on how many yet, but the important thing is that we put out a team that is still strong enough to win the game. Ross County is always a difficult place to go. That being said, we won't get back until the early hours of the next morning and we have to factor in what is ahead at the weekend and beyond. But we have to put out a team that can reach the required level to win what is a very important game for us and I'm confident we have the players to do that. New signing said Haksabanovic is not yet fit enough to start. But Postecoglou said he may get a run out from the bench at some point in the game. Georgios Giacomakis, who missed the win at Tanadice through illness, has trained in the last two days and is fully fit. Report by Graham McGarry Evening Times Sport, September 1 Three Celtic talkers as Premier Sports Cup quarter-final slot is booked, 
Report by Ewan Payton Ringing the changes highlights squad depth. Ange Postecoglou opted to almost completely change the side which demolished and de-united at the weekend. The Australian made a significant amount of changes to his starting at 11 for this last 16 cup tie, 9 in total. The likes of Benji Segrist, Anthony Ralston, Stephen Welsh and Alexandra Bernabe all got some vital minutes in the tank. Of course, even with the huge amount of changes, the team was still incredibly strong and well capable of defeating every team in Scotland. Interestingly, James Forrest and James McCarthy still could not break into the starting lineup despite the alternative team. Carl Mack, one step ahead. There are not enough words to praise the influence of Callum McGregor on this Celtic team. The captain leads by example and has been a true standout since taking on the armband. The hoops started brightly in the Highlands, striking the bar twice inside the opening five minutes. But a stroke of genius from McGregor earned the champions the opener. He noticed he was totally free in the box at a corner. He flagged for the ball from David Turnbull, and with a neat first-time finish, he swept it home. Turnbull deserves credit for some quick thinking too, but the quality of the move was initiated by the skipper. Jens culpable for some slight defending. It didn't matter in the end, but County's goal in the last 25 minutes made for a nervier period for Celtic than it needed to be. A long ball from Jake Eastwood at a free kick was met by Jordan White, who had a clear run on Carol Starfelt. His knockdown was perfect for Alex Jakoviti to nod home past Segrist from close range. The most notable takeaway from the goal was Moritz Jen's complete lack of awareness of where Jakoviti was within Celtic's box. As stated in the commentary, it was poor defending from Jens as he completely lost his marker. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport September 1 Chris Jack asks, have Rangers board taken fan loyalty for granted? It is a matter of supply and demand, yet it is also a balancing act between treating the fan base like supporters rather than customers. The line is a fine one these days. Rangers have found themselves swaying on that particular high wire on more than one occasion and their Champions League ticket package is another example of the risks that are being run at Ibrooks. On one hand, Rangers are right to maximise their income and must make the most of the opportunity to cash in while the Champions League music rings around the ground and the big names of Ajax, Liverpool and Napoli are in town. The chance to bank cheques of this size has been a long time coming for Rangers. With prize money and television rights secured, thanks to their remarkable win over PSV Eindhoven, it is now time for them to capitalise on their earning power 
in continental terms. But that cannot come at the expense of alienating the most important people at the club and directors, executives and staff must never lose sight of the fact that it is the man on the street that they represent and work for. Without the fans, football is nothing and Rangers would not be where they are today. Some supporters may be placated by the sound bites and cliches, but the more discerning and switched on will be asking questions about a pricing plan that has set a minimum spend of £150 for a three Group A briefs for seats in the Broomloan and Copeland and sections of the main stand. Other areas will cost £165 and £174 respectively, while thousands of punters have been asked to stump up £180 to take the seats and see Van Bronckhorst's side in action. It all adds up to several million pounds worth of ticket income going straight into the coffers this season. When hospitality packages are added into the calculation, it is clear to see why qualification for the group stages is so lucrative, why it is a game changer off the park. In purely financial terms, it is transformative for Rangers and it is the latest step in bolstering the balance sheet. After years of outside investment, Rangers continue to move towards self-sustainability, a position where they can spend what they earn and supplement their reserves with sporting achievement and a business model in the transfer market. It is understandable that Rangers wish to build on their financial successes and keep the momentum rolling. There comes a point though when giving a little back is the right thing to do after taking and taking for so long. If £50 per game had been the ceiling, it could have been grudgingly accepted. As a cheapest ticket, it is just too expensive and that is before families have to consider the cost of around £90 for juvenile packages. There is no option to spread the outlay and split payments. At a time when wages have been stretched and budgets have been squeezed, Rangers could be accused of being tone deaf. Given the way in which fans cherish and back their club, tens of thousands will find ways to make it work. Savings will be made elsewhere and punters will do all they can to meet the increasing and continued burden of following their team. Taking a few quid off the price of each ticket would have cost Rangers money, but it could make more of a difference in the pockets of each supporter and it would have shown an understanding and appreciation beyond the usual statement platitudes. It is, after all, just a couple of years since season tickets were bought in good faith but with no return, and Rangers are not exactly slow in coming forward to ask for buy-ins for Edmiston House and Champions Wall packages, as well as a myriad of other schemes and products that have over-inflated price tags 
as a result of a crest on them. The argument is that fans don't need to buy them if they don't want to, and for many that is true and fair. When it comes to tickets, the situation is different and Rangers could have taken a hit for the sake of those who sacrifice so much to support their club. When the pricing structure was released on Monday, the reaction from supporters told its own story. There was a sense of disgruntlement, perhaps anger, but a widespread admission that they would stump up the cash and hand over their hard-earned once again. A glance across the city, where Celtic supporters will pay a flat rate of £129 to watch Real Madrid, RB Leipzig and Shakhtar Donetsk in action, has fed into the feeling that Rangers have got it wrong. Unfortunately for the Ibrox board, it is not the first time. These are exciting times to be a Rangers supporter, but goodwill towards those that call the shots and run the club is in short supply. It is one thing supporting the team, yet quite another having full faith in the regime. Last season was permeated with communications, catastrophes and shambolic strategies, and the decision to push the limits with the Champions League briefs seems another short-sighted move from those who really should know better from the past as Rangers continue to build for the future. Concerns over the level of customer service are commonplace. Many view the ticket operation as not fit for purpose, while the MyGer scheme continues to attract criticism as nothing more than a cash grab that plays on a sense of loyalty. The retail offering is not befitting the club or serving the support. Castor may say that better never stops, but has yet to start in many senses. And let's not forget the farce and fury of the Sydney Super Cup. That was the biggest slap in the face to the fans of all. If Ibrox sells out for each Group A fixture, which it no doubt will, then the hierarchy can say that the supply met the demand and that revenue was maximised. Money talks after all, but actions speak louder than words. Rangers should know that by now. Ultimately the supporters, not the customers, are always right, says Chris Jack. Evening Times Sport, Postecoglou assesses Celtic shape. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Ange Postecoglou last night admitted Celtic are in good shape heading into the Cinch Premiership match against Rangers at Parkhead on Saturday after recording their sixth consecutive victory over Ross County. Postecoglou made no fewer than nine changes to his side for the Premier Sports Cup match against County and Dingwall, and his team still eased to a comfortable 4-1 triumph. The Scottish champions can go five points clear of their city rivals in the league table if they win the first Old Firm game of the campaign this weekend. The Greek-Australian coach is happy with how Celtic are performing going into the meeting 
with Van Bronckhurst men. He said, I'm really pleased. Credit to the boys. We made nine changes tonight and that can easily affect the fluency and cohesion of the team. But these boys are training really hard every day. They are prepared for their opportunity and they showed that. I thought it was outstanding. To win 4-1 away from home and the performance as well was a credit to the players. I don't think we had anyone who did not perform to the levels we want them to and that we aspire to. For a lot of the guys, it was their first start and they could have easily used this game as an excuse to build into the season. But I thought nobody out there looked like they hadn't been playing, which is a credit to them. I thought we started the game really strongly, built good tempo and intensity in our game. To play the kind of football we want, if you rely on a certain core of players, eventually they will break down. Now we are in a position where we don't need to do that. I can rotate the team and make sure that we've got everyone in really good condition. Our form is good. We are improving every game. We have been improving every game. It's been a little bit of an unusual start for us with one game a week. We were using the first weeks of pre-season to replicate two games a week scenario. The boys were working really hard and you could see that in our performances in the first two or three games of the season where we were not probably as sharp as we had been. I think every week we are improving and it's been positive so far. Now we look to the next challenge and make sure we are ready for it. Asked about facing Motherwood Fir Park in the Premier Sports Cup quarterfinals next month, he said, Another away game? It would be nice to be at home at some point. It's another good challenge for us. The most important thing is that we're still in it, in a cup game. That's the ultimate aim. And it's pleasing for me that we did that in a convincing way. Meanwhile, Postecoglou admitted that he is hopeful that winger Mikey Johnson will leave Celtic on loan and get some much needed game time. He said, we're still working on Mikey to get him somewhere. There are a couple of possibilities for him. It's a lot less hectic than last year. It was 10 minutes to midnight when we signed Cameron Carter Vickers. That was a more stressful time. This window has been good for us. We knew what we wanted to do in terms of business and we have moved at the right times and got most of our guys nice and early. From my perspective, looking at our objectives going into this window, we have come out pretty healthy. Stephen Welsh limped off in the second half of the Ross County game, but Postecoglou is hopeful the centre half is not seriously injured. He had a bit of a niggle in his groin in the first half, and we will assess him tomorrow, he said. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Times Sport September 2. Billy Dodds savages Kevin Clancy over referee display. Report by Graeme McGarry. 
Billy Dodds is entitled to feel he has seen just about everything in his long career in football, with his experience giving him a sense of perspective, even when he feels refereeing decisions, for example, have gone against his team. It is why the Inverness Caledonian Thistle manager has only once felt moved to call referee chief Crawford Allen to pull him up for the performance of one of his officials following Willie Collum's dismissal of two of his players in controversial circumstances during last season's championship playoff semi-final against Arbroath. That is, until Wednesday night. Chances were that Allen's ears were red raw after Dodge had been in touch yesterday morning to discuss the performance of Kevin Clancy in Motherwell's 4-0 League Cup win over Inverness at Fir Park. Dodds, to be clear, had no argument to offer on who deserved to win the tie, but he was perplexed by a number of calls made by the official on the night, not least his award of two penalties to the home side. The lack of accountability for officials after such displays irritates the 53-year-old, who says that Clancy should not be rewarded with high-profile matches if that is the level of officiating he is producing. Dodds said, I know all managers go on at referees, but since I have been in this job, I phoned at Crawford Allen once only because I don't like doing it. I think you can all guess what game that was for. I've got to phone him now. I've seen Kevin Clancy refereeing old firm games. If your players don't perform, they don't deserve to be in the team. From the first free kick of the game to the penalties and some of the decisions he gave, there was one where the boy scoops it. Ewan Anderson told him it was a handball and he ignored it. I can't look at that and say, ah well, I'll stay calm and there's no problem. I'm taking nothing away from Motherwell because they were good. Once they got their goals they were full of confidence, with good movement and good passing. They deserved to win the tie, but I think the referee gave them a helping hand. There's a lot of them that phone Crawford all the time, and I don't because it's a hard job and I appreciate that. But sometimes you have to because you feel it's not been fair on you. I said that to Ewan Anderson at the side and he's saying he understands. I don't usually crack with them, but I can't watch that and not say anything or react to some of the things that were happening. It sounds crazy because we've been beaten for nothing and it sounds like it's sour grapes, but it's not, because I don't usually do it. I think I had a right to phone the last time, and I think I've got the right to phone this time. If you stand back and say it's another refereeing performance and just get on with it, I'm not so sure. Motherwell played well, but they don't need that. Dodge didn't bother to go into the referee's room to speak to Clancy after the match, as he was resigned to his protestations being dismissed out of hand. He said, 
I'll tell the referee what I think man-to-man, and I've hardly been in to see any of them. I've been in to see two referees since I've been here, and I don't shout at them. This time I'm watching it and saying, I can't believe what you're thinking, but you get a nay bother, and they just walk past you. Report by Graeme McGarry Evening Times Sport September 2 Oliver Abelgaard's Celtic Transfer Oddity Explained Report by Sean Martin The official Celtic announcement confirmed that Oliver Abelgaard was joining the club on a season-long deal. The omission of the word loan caused some consternation. Let's take a closer look. Russia and FIFA The ongoing invasion of Ukraine has affected Russia's football clubs in myriad ways, financial and otherwise. Celtic have already exploited this by sealing Shade Haksabanovich on a cut-price deal from Ruben Kazan last week. It appears they have returned to the same club for Abelgaard, but in a different manner. Foreign players registered to Russian or Ukrainian sites have been granted special dispensation by FIFA to freeze their deals for this season and thus sign for clubs abroad. FIFA calls this their temporary employment rules. So the Dane is essentially a loanee. He will return to his Ruben Kazan contract after this season, depending on the war situation. But it is without the parent club's ability to recall him or demand other sweeteners. Can Celtic buy him? The short answer is yes, but it seems not right now. With the FIFA ruling, Celtic seemed to have recruited him under. It's likely the club has negotiated a salary package of their own for Abelgaard's time in Glasgow. This will expire on June 30, 2023. It is still as yet unclear whether pre-arranged purchase options can be set up under the new FIFA edict. There is no mention of this in the official FIFA release. It is unlikely, therefore, that any movement on the permanent signature front will occur until much later, if not at the conclusion of his current deal at Parkhead. His contract with Ruben Kazan runs until 2024, so Abelgaard will have one season less on his deal when his campaign with Celtic is up, theoretically making him a less expensive option to recruit permanently if the Hoops do decide to pursue it. Report by Sean Martin Evening Time Sport September 2 Cholak set for Rangers boost ahead of Celtic Test Report by Mark Walker Antonio Sholak has been handed 
a massive boost ahead of tomorrow's old firm showdown. He will be handed an international recall by Croatia when they name their squad on Monday. Rangers 28-year-old striker has been in sensational form since his £1.8 million move from PAOK this summer and has scored seven goals in nine appearances. Those goals included a priceless winner in the Netherlands against PSV Eindhoven to send Rangers into the Champions League and he also scored a vital strike against Union San Gilwas at Ibrooks. He has replaced Alfredo Morelos as Rangers' main striker and is a certainty to lead the line in the midday showdown at Parkhead tomorrow. He has been capped three times by Croatia against Turkey, Slovakia and Slovenia, but he's not been called up for a squad since July last year and has been out in the international cold for his country's last 10 matches. But his Ibrox form has impressed managers like Ko Dalic, and he has already indicated to his homeland media that Sholak will be in his squad for Croatia's Nations League doubleheader against Denmark in Zagreb and Austria in Vienna when it is announced on Monday. He is likely to replace Osasuna's Ante Budimir, who has been dropped by the La Liga side and is in line to win his fourth cap alongside countryman and Ibrox colleague Borna Barisic and Celtic defender Josip Juranovic. Report by Mark Walker Evening Times Sport September 2 Consistency, the key for Kevin Van Veen, as Murrow forward attempts to challenge Kyogo and Cholak in scoring charts. Report by Graeme McGarry With Kevin Van Veen, there has never been a question mark over his ability. His ability to produce his best levels on a consistent basis, though, is a different matter and is it perhaps part of the reason why he has found himself at Motherwell with the greatest of respect, instead of higher up the footballing food chain. The striker though is on one of his hot streaks at the moment, bagging seven goals in his last six matches. Indeed the hat-trick he plundered against Inverness on League Cup duty on Wednesday night pulled him to within four goals of his total for the entirety of last season. His four league goals to date also have him sitting pretty in the early running to be the Premiership's top scorer, level with the likes of Rangers forward Antonio Cholak and just two behind Celtic star Kyogo. The challenge he has set himself is to maintain that strike rate and challenged the multi-million pound stars of the old firm to be the country's top marksman. Said Van Veen, I'm very down to earth. I know I've got seven goals in six games now, but I don't really care too much about that. Obviously, I'm hungry and I want to keep scoring goals. I'm 31 now, and I'm very hungry to score goals and get people off their seats.
Kyogo and Cholak are way better strikers than me, and that's me just being deadly honest. They both play for two big teams, and they both get a lot more chances than me, but hopefully I can keep going and help my team by scoring and creating some assists. Long may it continue. Hopefully I can challenge for the top three goal scorers in the league. I said last year I wanted to be there, and I feel I have the ability to do that. The challenge for me is to be consistent. There is also a formidable challenge ahead of Motherwell if they want to reach Hamden at the first time of asking this term, with the reward for their win over Inverness, a home tie against League Cup holders Celtic. Said Van Veen, there are certainly easier games than that, but if you want a good cup run, then you have to beat the best. We know it will be tough. For me, Celtic are the best team in the league, especially in terms of possession. But we look forward to it. It's good to measure yourself against those types of teams. At least the game is at home for us. That makes a massive difference. Away from home, it would be very hard. Everyone knows Celtic are rolling over the top teams just now, but we feel we've got a chance at home. Report by Graeme McGarry Evening Times Sport, September 2 Hibbs boss Lee Johnson rushed to hospital Report by Aidan Smith Hibbs boss Lee Johnson will miss this weekend's Cinch Premiership game against Kilmarnock. Johnson fell ill prior to the clash at Easter Road and was immediately taken to hospital to have emergency gallbladder removal surgery. Recovering well, Johnson said, I'd like to thank all the staff in Edinburgh Royal Infirmary, especially the Hibs fans that looked after me along the way. I'm hoping to make a swift recovery and be back in the dugout as quickly as possible. Having never missed a game previously in management, obviously I'm frustrated at not being able to be physically attending Easter Road tomorrow. However, I am 100% with every player, staff member and supporter in the spirit to fight for a very important three points. With Johnson unavailable, Jamie McAllister and Adam Owen will lead the team and will be supported by David Gray. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport September 2 Rangers star Lawrence set to miss Old Firm Clash Report by Aidan Smith Tom Lawrence is a major injury doubt ahead of tomorrow's Old Firm Derby between Celtic and Rangers. The former Derby County man picked up a knee injury last weekend as Rangers met Ross County and has not recovered fully. The Sun now say that the winger is set to miss tomorrow's trip to Celtic Park in the Scottish Premiership. Lawrence is enjoying life in Glasgow since making his move to Rangers and has already bagged three goals for his new team. 
the 28-year-old would be a big miss for the light blues and could face a few weeks in the stands due to the knock. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport, September 5 Real Madrid are on another level to Rangers, but Celtic should dare to dream, says Matthew Lindsay. Real Madrid will be buoyant when they get the defence of the Champions League underway against Celtic at Parkhead tomorrow night. Carlo Ancelotti's men stretched their lead at the top of the La Liga table at the Bernabeu on Saturday when they recorded a 2-1 triumph over second-place Real Betis thanks to goals from Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo. Karim Benzema, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric and company will be optimistic of extending their five-match winning run in the east end of Glasgow. Celtic, though, are not exactly lacking in self-belief at the moment, following their 4 nothing demolition of their city rivals and nearest challengers Rangers at the weekend. Ange Postecoglou's charges have now prevailed in all seven of the games they have played in the 22-23 season and are five points clear at the top of the Cinch Premiership. They are in sensational form. The stage is set for an epic European encounter at Parkhead. So what did we learn about the Scottish champions during their emphatic Derby Day victory? And can they overcome the superstars of Spain? Bring on Real. Rangers were a shadow of the side that overcame Borussia Dortmund, Red Star Belgrade, Braga and RB Leipzig during their run to the Europa League final last season. Defensively, they were porous. In midfield, they were second best. And up front, they failed to trouble their hosts. Real will have one of the greatest managers of all time in the dugout tomorrow evening and many of the finest footballers on the planet in the park. It will be a step up for Celtic and then some. A draw would be a more than respectable result. But why shouldn't they dare to dream? They have scored 29 times and conceded just two goals this term. They have been well organised at the back, dominant in the centre of the park, and on fire in the final third. They will be roared on by the majority of the 58,000 strong crowd from kick-off to the final whistle. Postecoglou has much to prove in continental competition. His side suffered some dire losses as they went out of the Champions League, Europa League and Conference League last season, but he will have learned from those experiences. He has the knowledge and the personnel to pull off an upset. Strength in depth Not since Ali McCoy scored for Rangers after just 33 seconds of a derby game back in 1983 have Celtics suffered such a bad start in a meeting with the Ibrooks club at Parkhead. Kyogo Furuhashi who had been on target six times in his previous four outings, 
limping off with a shoulder injury he suffered in the first minute following an innocuous challenge by John Lundstrom was the last thing the home team needed. The Japanese striker will certainly be missed if he fails to recover from the problem in time to play against Real. But Georgos Giacomakis is by no means a downgrade. The Greek international might not have found the target on Saturday, but he worked tirelessly and went close on several occasions. He is more than adequate replacement. As is Moritz Jens at centre-half, Carol Starfeld has formed a strong partnership with Cameron Carter-Vickers in the heart of the Celtic rearguard during his time in this country and is an automatic selection when fit, but his German understudy looked assured after coming on in the second half. Gia, Kamakis and Jens will not weaken the home side in the slightest if they have to feature against Real. Jota, genius. Celtic right winger Lille Abada picked up the Man of the Match award at the end of the 90 minutes. He scored two first-half goals and was a deserved recipient. But Jota was no less impressive on the other flank. His strike in the 33rd minute was just sublime. He controlled a Matt O'Reilly through ball with his left foot and then chipped over John Mulloughlin from an acute angle with his right. It will be a strong contender for the goal of the season come May. Crikey, O'Reilly David Turnbull was Celtic's standout performer in their Premier Sports Cup win over Ross County in Dingwall last Wednesday night and was unlucky not to make the starting line-up against Rangers. O'Reilly, though, more than justified his selection in the playmaker role ahead of the Scot. He set up a badder for the opener with a first-time cross and created the second with an inch-perfect pass to Jota. The London-born Dane, who was brought in for just £1.5 million from empty dawns in January, has been quite a signing. Can he carve open the Real Madrid rearguard? Do not bet against it. Reality check. Postecoglou was quick to dismiss the significance of the win over Rangers in the Scottish title race on Saturday afternoon, despite the clear gulf in quality between the two sides. The Greek-Australian was correct not to get carried away. His opposite number, Giovanni van Bronckhurst, had just one specialist centre-half available to him due to the absence of Ben Davis, Philip Helander and John Souter, and one fully fit striker in Antonio Cholak. He was also missing the on-form Tom Lawrence. The side that beat PSV Eindhoven in the Netherlands in the Champions League playoff last month to secure a place in the group stages of Europe's Premier Club competition can and will play better. Let's face it, they can't do any worse, can they? It is very difficult to see Celtic failing to retain their title after this one-sided route. 
But there is an awfully long way to go and much that can happen, says Matthew Lindsay. Evening Times Sport, September 5. Real Madrid forward in special Celtic warning. Report by Aidan MacDonald. Real Madrid forward Rodrigo reckons his side are playing in a special way ahead of the opening Champions League group stage match against Celtic. The Brazilian has claimed that regardless of who manager Carlo Ancelotti picks for the game, the current holders will have more than enough to deal with the hoops. Los Blancos defeated Real Betis 2-1 in their most recent La Liga fixture, while Ange Postecoglou's side are coming off a resounding 4-0 victory against rivals Rangers. The European giants won a treble last season, including their 14th Premier European crown, and Rodrigo is feeling full of confidence. He said, We are all very excited about starting our defence of the trophy in Glasgow. I believe we have a really strong squad this season. It's a busy period with two games in a week, but we love that. It's always better to be playing games. Whatever team we pick on Tuesday, it won't matter because we are so strong in all positions across the pitch. We have started the season well. We have won our first four La Liga games, but this is only the beginning. It's a joy to play under a coach like Carlo Ancelotti, and I think we will improve as the season goes on. He asks us to play in a special way. I am very happy to play for him. Report by Aidan MacDonald Evening Times Sport, September 5 The Monday Kick-Off What will Celtic have learned from past Euro failures? Report by James Morgan Celtic entered the Champions League group stage for the first time in five years this week with a test of their European credentials on the line. For all the relative success that Rangers have had in continental competition, Celtic's attempts to progress past the group stages have been embarrassing by comparison, a scenario that runs directly opposite to their near total dominance of Scottish competitions in that time. That domestic bliss has been spearheaded by two men with very similar approaches to how the game should be played, in Brendan Rodgers and Ange Postecoglou. Rodgers stuck rigidly to his principles in European competition, often to the frustration of Celtic supporters. In his two Champions League campaigns, Celtic was soundly thrashed by Paris Saint-Germain home and away shipped seven in the Camp Nou and had little answer for Bayern Munich in the Olympic Stadium. In isolation, those results can be set against the strength of the star-studded teams they were facing, but those who watch them will recall Celtic setting up in the most naive of fashions as lambs to the slaughter against unsparing opponents. 
There were similar criticisms levelled at Postecoglou last season in the Europa League when Celtic lost heavily to Bayer Leverkusen and chucked away a two-goal lead against Real Betis and questions remain as to how they will fare. The sense is that Celtic are better equipped this time around. For his part, Postecoglou has repeatedly stated he will not compromise on his principles. We have to bring our own identity, he said. People are pretty clear on what type of team we are. What a great opportunity to play our football. If we are not successful, fair enough. But let's go down swinging rather than deferring to someone because they're a good team. Our supporters want us to take the game to Real Madrid and see where it takes us. Let's have a crack anyway. It's all very praiseworthy, but make no mistake. Real Madrid, RB Leipzig and Shakhtar Donetsk will be licking their lips if there is no pragmatic plan B for this season's continental campaign. More misery for McKenna, with mistakes mounting. It has been a far from gentle introduction to the English Premier League for the Scotland centre-half Scott McKenna. The former Aberdeen defender was at fault for two of the goals as Nottingham Forest surrendered a two-goal lead at home to lose 3-2 to fellow new boys Bournemouth on Saturday. The 25-year-old attempted to deflect Dominic Solanke's goal-bound shot away with his head, but only succeeded in diverting it past his keeper Dean Henderson, who appeared to have the shot covered anyway. Then he gifted possession to Solanke in the dying minutes of the match, and the Bournemouth attacker had the simple task of rolling the ball to Jadon Anthony, who duly fired home the winner. Those slips follow similar difficulties experienced by McKenna since the start of the season. He was lucky to stay on the pitch for a deliberate handball against West Ham and blocked Henderson's line of vision for Tottenham's opener and lost Harry Kane at the back post for Spurs second in last weekend's 2-0 defeat at at the city ground. With five other centre-halves waiting in the wings following Forrest's lavish spending spree this summer, the Scot will be looking over his shoulder after his latest faux pas at the weekend. Time to show tactical fouls, the red card. There comes a point in football when suddenly certain laws of the game are no longer fit for purpose. I am thinking specifically here about what has become known as the tactical foul, so-called because there is no attempt to injure an opponent, but merely to disrupt their momentum. Of course, nuance plays a part here. Take Saturday's trip by Connor Goldson on Dazen Maida as the Celtic attacker galloped clear in the late stages of Saturday's demolition of Rangers. The rules say it was not a clear goal-scoring opportunity, but I would venture that interpretation 
is not borne out by how goals are often scored today. Celtic thrive on transitions. The tactics are set up to create exactly those scenarios where they overload their opponent and yes, almost inevitably score from those positions. This is the way of the modern game. Liverpool's entire attacking system is built around transitions and coaches attempting to stop them know all too well that taking someone down on the halfway line is a risk worth taking because of an overloaded counter-attack is as much of a threat as one versus one against the keeper. On a weekly basis now, there are multiple instances of defenders cynically putting a stop to dangerous attacks because they know the worst that will happen is that they receive a yellow card. It's about time the rule was redrawn. LIV is the grift that keeps on giving. There was another drum roll last week for the new defectors to the LIV golf series as it rolled into Boston. An accompanying stomach-churning launch video showed that players and assorted glad-handers quaffing champagne and munching on hors d'oeuvres to promote the glamour of a competition that leaves one feeling a little queasier each time there's an announcement. Last month, of course, LIV rocked up in Bedminster, New Jersey for the third event of the season. In nearby Basking Ridge, there was outcry from families who lost 17 relatives in the World Trade Center attacks on September 11, 2001. Terry Strada, the chair of 9-11 Families United, lost her husband Tom that day. She explained to ABC News last week what it meant to her to see Saudi involvement in a LIV golf tournament on Basking Ridge's doorstep. We know that 15 of the 19 of the 9-11 hijackers were Saudi nationals, but now we know there was this anti-American, pro-jihadist program that was set up in the Saudi embassy and it was running out of the consulate out in, Cal in California and it was filled with extremists, Strada said. They haven't done anything to make amends for the worst terrorist attack that ever happened on American soil. They put a lot of money into our economy for all the same reasons. They just tried to buy respect. And you cannot buy respect, you have to earn it. Cause for alarm at Edinburgh. My late father used to claim that he was among a group of Glentoran supporters who invaded the pitch during a match against Belfast Celtic in the 1960s with the latter side leading 3-0 at the time. The match was subsequently abandoned, but the result stood. This possibly ap ap apocryphal story returned to me after reading of events at the DAM Health Stadium on Friday night, when Edinburgh was spared an embarrassing pre-season defeat at the hands of part-timers London Scottish due to a spectator 
accidentally setting off a fire alarm. Mike Blair, the Edinburgh head coach, saw it to people over the cracks by saying that his side had a line out 10 yards from the Scottish try line when a halt was called and that his team were in a position to win with six minutes remaining. An assessment which did not really stand up to scrutiny since Edinburgh trailed by eight points at the time. 5. The length of time in seconds it took Lille Abada to score Celtic's first goal at Parkhead on Saturday from the point when Jota took the throw-in to Matt O'Reilly and the midfielder crossed for the Israeli to finish. Report by James Morgan And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.